They claim that our eyes will just be created a slightly different from what they are when we talk to the same You're listening to Strange Familiars. True stories of the paranormal, cryptids, hauntings, the occult, mythology, UFOs, folklore, weird and forgotten history. Please make sure to like and subscribe to Strange Familiars on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever you are listening. Please share the Strange Familiars page and episodes on Facebook and other social media. If you have experienced something strange, or if you know a story you would like us to cover, Email strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, and of course, strangefamiliars.com. Welcome to Strange Familiars. Hope everyone's doing well. We're going to talk about Flannel Man again tonight, which I'm pretty excited about, as I've just started writing the Flannel Man book. It was inevitable, I guess, me being a writer and Strange Familiars becoming, I guess, the sort of go-to podcast for Flannel Man stuff. I'm fine with that. It's really, really interesting. So please keep those encounters coming. If you've seen Flannel Man or anything like him, please email me, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. Of course, we're looking for all kinds of encounters to talk about, not just Flannel Man. If you've had experiences with Sasquatch or other cryptids, hauntings, aliens, or the like, we'd love to talk with you. And speaking of encounters, I have a few ongoing local investigations that I'm excited about. One in particular is very strange and very active. So at some point I'll put together a show on this property, but if you've been following Strange Familiars, you know there are a few things I look for in Bigfoot investigations beyond footprints and tree structures. This particular property has everything. Bigfoot sightings, orbs and other mystery lights, bad smells, wood knocks, house slaps, walking on the roof of the house, other poltergeist-like activity... It's got a woman in white, a skull that was perhaps left as a gift, growls and howls coming from the woods. It's like a checklist of Bigfoot weirdness. It's on private property. It's a residence in the mountains just north of me. The witness called me very reluctantly and said, I might have seen Bigfoot, or maybe it was a bear. And as we talked and he realized I wasn't going to judge him for seeing Bigfoot, he admitted that he was quite sure he saw Bigfoot. In fact, it was multiple creatures. He saw what appeared to be two upright adults and two quadrupedal young ones. But he was saying it was a bear at first because he didn't want me to think he was crazy. I'll be spending a good bit of time on this property. I should be putting out recorders this week. 
and hopefully I'll be able to get the witness to come on the podcast as well. But either way, I'll get the story told for you guys at some point. I'm trying to document every Bigfoot sighting in York County, Pennsylvania, and the surrounding areas, both old and new. That's a long-term project I'm working on. Eventually, I'll get a website up with the timeline and maps. So if you're local, or if you know anyone who's had a Bigfoot encounter in south-central Pennsylvania, please contact me. Again, that's strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to keep it private, that's fine. I'd say I now talk to more witnesses who don't want to come on the podcast than people who do, which is fine. That's not a problem. I'm just happy to get the stories, whether they're for the podcast or if people want to keep them private. Strange Familiars is brought to you by our patrons. If you like what we do and you want to help out, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. $3 a month gets you extra shows. We try to do at least one full extra show every month for our patrons, sometimes more. And there are other reward levels for things like t-shirts, vinyl, stickers, and more. Thank you to our current patrons. You make the show happen. Again, that's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars if you want to help out. If you haven't listened to our first Flannel Man show, you might want to check out that episode too. That was Strange Familiars episode 26. Just a brief introduction in case you haven't heard that episode or if you need a little update. My interest in Flannel Man started when I read about him in an online forum many years ago. My wife had seen an entity which matched his description a few years previous to that. You can hear her account in episode 26. She and I had both thought of her sighting as something like a hypnopompic dream until I read that form where other people reported seeing the same thing. It's a large man in a red flannel shirt and usually blue jeans. He's often reported as bearded, but not always. His looks can vary a little bit. Often witnesses report that he seems confused or caught as if he wasn't expected to be seen. No one seems to know exactly who this entity is or what he wants, but in most cases he doesn't seem particularly negative or necessarily evil in intent. As several Strange Familiars listeners have pointed out, there's even one story of Flannel Man being encouraging and helpful. The day after Christmas, 1945, there was a horrible explosion at the Belva Mine in Four Mile, Kentucky. Many miners died, but a small pocket of survivors were trapped underground. At some point, a sort of door or portal opened up in the wall of the mine, and from a brightly lit room, a man dressed like a lumberjack emerged. He told the miners that they would be rescued, turned, and walked back into the lighted room, closing the mysterious door behind him. There are several paranormal books and websites which contain this account, and all of them point to newspaper articles published between December 1981 and January 1982 in Pineville, Kentucky as the source. But I have as yet been unable to track these articles down. If anyone can locate the original articles, I would very much like to see them. So tonight we have two Flannel Man encounter stories. We'll start with Maria, whose account shares some interesting features with my wife's, but is quite unique, as Maria saw Flannel Man twice and was also touched by the entity.
talking with Maria, and she contacted me in regards to a flannel man experience, which I found really pretty incredible. It's one of my favorite I've heard so far. Had you heard of Flannel Man before you listened to our show? No, actually, I haven't. And I just thought it was some sort of haunted house thing that I lived in. I had no idea that this was actually a thing until I heard the podcast. And it was like, oh, my gosh, other people have seen this. And I just thought it was kind of a fluke, really. I didn't know it was actually a thing, so... So this happened when you were but a bit younger, right? It was. It was about, I would say, a little over 20 years ago. I was about 17, 18 years old. And actually, I had moved out of my house because my previous house was haunted. Things were <laughs> really bad, and it was so scary living in that place. So, you know, we moved out. I moved in with my mom, and they had a... My mom and her girlfriend had a like a basement apartment and it was attached to a garage. And the only way that you can get out of this garage was by a locked door because it locked from both sides. So you had to have a key to even open it. So one night I was down down in my little apartment area and I was going to go, go do some laundry. And the apartment area was a, like a little weird setup where it had this, it had the garage and then back behind it there was like a room where you could put like a bed and dresser and TV and all that other stuff and then you kind of walk back towards the back of the building and there's a staircase that went up to the second floor which was like the main living area and then there was like a, a wash machine area that was kind of underneath the staircase so you had to kind of walk around a corner in order to get to the wash machine and the dryer so I was going to go do my laundry one night and I was pulling stuff out of the dryer and I felt like this really big cold hand touched my shoulder and I was the only one down there so I kind of froze and it it took me back and it and it felt like five hours but I'm sure it was only like a couple seconds but I turned around and I walked around the corner and I saw this really tall man with some blue jeans like old timey looking blue jeans and a red flannel shirt walk around the corner like I said before the only way that you can get out of that room is through a locked door and I walked in there and nobody was in there, and I screamed, and I ran up the stairs. (laughs) So I was really freaked out about it. So I would say fast forward a couple months, I was, you know, again, I was in my apartment, and I was walking upstairs. It was really late at night. I had to use the bathroom, so the only bathroom was upstairs. So I walked upstairs, and you make a right-hand turn, and that goes straight into the kitchen, and it goes all the way back to the living room, and there's, like, the bedroom and the bathroom off to the left. So I walked upstairs, and I, you know, made the right-hand turn to go into the kitchen, and I looked, and it was, like, there was this man standing there with that flannel shirt, and he had, like, brown hair and a beard, and and then I saw this dog it was like on this coffee table and the dog was darker than it was night. I don't, it was blacker than the dark part. I I don't know how to describe it, but it had red eyes and 
I heard it growl at me and it went to jump down and I screamed and I like shut the door and I ran downstairs and then you know next thing you know my mom and her girlfriend are like what's going on what happened and they uh turn on all the lights and they didn't see anything since then I've been like really freaked out that there's this devil dog thing trying to, <laughs> trying to chase me <laughs> Well, I mean, I find that super interesting just because my wife would always talk about these devil dogs in her bedroom when she was growing up, and that's where she had her flannel man encounter as well. Didn't see them both at the same time, but she was always afraid of, of, she would tell me about these devil dogs she'd see with with these glowing red eyes in her bedroom. And again, she's very much a skeptic. She's very much a skeptic. And then later, you know, in later years, she had the flatman encounter. I was there, but I didn't see him. I, you know, she woke me up screaming. But that was very interesting. So, just a couple questions: When you saw Flannel Man at the same time as the dog, what was their relate? Were they standing next to each other, or were they, you know, in different parts of the they room? They were. No, they were. It was almost like, you know, like a hunting dog would stand next to its owner. It would stand in this posture like it's getting ready, like you give the command for it to go. It was standing kind of like in that position, but it was on top of a coffee table, which was really odd to me. But yeah, they were standing right next together. And did he have red eyes as well? No, I I don't remember seeing that. Like the first time I saw him, he just walked around the corner. So I saw the back half of him, but... The second time I saw him, no, he didn't have red eyes. It was just the dog. Just that the dog. Did. That blacker than black description is also very interesting. I've taken a few Sasquatch reports where people have reported them as being, you know, that's the the quote they use, like blacker than black, or you know, like so black it absorbs light, kind of thing. Yeah, it was really strange, and you know, I want to say fast forward a couple of years. Actually, I went into the military and. I was stationed at my first base. There are some dorms, and I worked kind of right across the street from where I lived. So, you know, I didn't have to go very far, but I was staying in the dorms. And, you know, at night, this is a very rural area, and at night you would see, like, these shadow things, like, running. And I looked, and there were dogs as well, like a pack of them. You know, I don't know, like, if I'm just prone to seeing these things but even that was darker than dark and like you said i mean it it looked like it absorbed the light like they were just darker than it is night outside so you could see them but you can't see them it's just really strange that's very eerie how tall would you say the flannel man entity was um i would probably say about four, six, five, just judging by the way, like how tall I saw him in the in the doorway, I would say, I mean, it was very tall, a lot taller than me. I'm only five, four. So (laughs) it was, it was quite a bit taller than me. Five, yeah, about six, five or so, six, six, maybe. Right. So a big guy. Yeah. Very, very big guy. I mean, my, my husband right now, he's six, four and he's a big guy and he was you know, from my memory, he was taller than him. So I, that's why I'm saying like six four, six five, or six five, six six, somewhere around there. And do you think it was the same entity, for lack of a better word, that you saw both times? I do, because the first time when I saw him, you know, it was very quick when he turned around the corner. 
or going through the, the side where I could see him around the corner, it looked like the same pair of jeans and the same shirt. And then, and I, and I remember the red flannel shirt, it was like a very blocky kind of, it wasn't like a, a fast flannel. It was very blocky looking. The second time I saw him, I can see the white in the red flannel. So, I mean, I knew it was the same. It was, just, it had to have been the same guy because it was, it was the same flannel shirt. I couldn't see the face that well, but I could see like the white part in the flannel. Right. Yeah. When you say blocky, you mean the, the, the pattern in the shirt. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like one of those really fast plaid patterns. It was like one of those bigger, you know, striped plaid type flannel shirts. Right. Mm, yeah. How long yeah. after moving from the haunted house that you mentioned did this encounter happen, the first one in the basement? I would say about four months, four or five months at the very most. The other house, I mean, I knew that there was some issues with that one. I mean, there was a fire in the house and, you know, down in the basement. This is up in Minnesota, and they have basements in the houses there. And so there was a fire, and apparently some people had died in the house. And, you know, my whole family would hear footsteps, and nobody was upstairs, and, you know, things like that. But it just really started to bother me. So, you know, when my mom moved into this other house, you know, we followed suit, and it wasn't that long after that. The house that we moved into was very small, so we kind of had to section it off, and I ended up getting the basement, which was fine, but it wasn't that long afterwards, and I I was sitting there thinking, oh, Lord, please don't tell me that these things are following me everywhere I go. <laughs> yeah, here we go again. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Uh, Yeah, I'm just interested in what was going on in your life at the time. Other than the move, was there any kind of change or upheaval going on with you personally? 
No, not than the average. I mean, I was still in high school, so not anything other than the typical teenage high school girl, like I existential, I don't know what this all means type thing. You know? Right, right. <laughs> yes, there wasn't really any, any trauma or anything bad happening in my life at the time other than, you know, just typical teenager stuff. Yeah, no, everything was fairly normal, I suppose. In my eyes, it was normal. <laughs> Maybe somewhat dysfunctional of the family. <laughs> well, we all have that, don't we? Not that bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The haunted house you moved from, do you want to just tell some of the stuff that happened there? Sure. So apparently the house was built in like 1883 or something like that. I don't know. It was very old when we moved in there. And this was early 90s when we moved in there. We actually came from down south and we moved up there. We weren't used to having a basement or anything, and it was kind of cool because the basement was really big, and we used to go roller skating down there, <laughs> my sister, my brother, and I. Well, it's, little things started happening where, you know, we would notice, like, cold spots. My room was upstairs in the back part of the house, and apparently there was, like, a dumb waiter that they had converted into a closet. Well, you know, I'm in my room, and got music going and stuff, and I would hear this, like, wheel cranking noise. I couldn't figure out where it was coming from, and I thought it was outside because this was in a city, you know. So, you know, you hear ambulances and whatnot, and it would keep going, and it would happen late at night. So I would get up. It sounded like it was coming from my closet. So I would go in my closet, and it would stop. So that was like the first of the weird things happening. And my room was always the coldest room in the house. Well, one night I had played a prank on my sister and she had a room right next to mine. And I climbed out of the window and kind of scaled across the roof. And I was like looking in the window at her <laughs> to freak her out. And she started screaming. Well, then when she saw me... She turned around to run out the door, and the door slammed shut, and she couldn't get out of the room. I was, like, scared to death, so I went back in through my window, went around and tried to open the door for her, and I couldn't open it either. And it wasn't one of those doors that locked. It was just, like, a normal doorknob. And then my sister, she kind of went quiet. I said, are you okay? Are you okay? And she said, hush up. Be quiet. So I did, and I turned the doorknob, and it opened like it was so easy to open, like nothing was wrong with it. So we couldn't figure out why the door would stop, and she said that she felt like if she just calmed down, everything would be okay, and it was. It was the weirdest thing. My brother, he would go down in, in, in the basement where we had like this gaming area set up for like the Nintendo and whatnot, and we would hear footsteps walking upstairs and both of my parents worked and so there was like a couple hours during the day when we were left by ourselves and we would hear footsteps upstairs we would hear people talking we would hear doors opening and shut oh gosh yeah I mean there was like a bunch of little things not anything to harm us but it was just a lot of little things like things would go missing and we would find it down in the basement one night I had my friend Jenny spend the night and we were downstairs in the living room and we were watching like a movie 
And she froze and she said, don't look. And of course I'm going to look. And there's like a figure of a girl standing on the staircase. And she had this like really old dress looking. It wasn't like a, a colonial type dress, but it it definitely wasn't like an our era type dress, you know. And then she just kind of walked back up the stairs and that was that. And Jenny never came back over to my house. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and just little things. It was never malicious by any means. It was just scary. There was always something happening in that house. Always. Did you know the people who lived there previously, by any chance? Did did they have any issues, or did you just didn't know them? Well, kind of. It was it was really strange. My dad worked in construction, so he would do a lot of renovations on the house, and you know we found old newspapers in the walls and stuff like that, and and. One time we got a knock on the door and this lady had said that she lived at the house when she was younger and noticed that we'd made a lot of changes to it and she just wanted to kind of look around and see what we changed. But I don't remember her saying anything to us about it being haunted, but, you know, we were kids and, you know, my parents were there. So, of course, my parents told us to, you know, go outside and play and we never like got to hear the conversation, but I, I do remember a lady coming to see when she lived there before us. So I don't know what she experienced, but had to have been something. And I know that the fire happened well before she lived there because the fire happened like early 1900s. The renovations is interesting. The, the, the fact that you mentioned that, because a, a lot of people into hauntings will report that it's when they're doing renovations or moving that things will act up. Oh, uh. Yeah, and the weirdest thing about it was some of the old newspapers we found in the wall were in Chinese. They weren't like our newspapers. I, it was the strangest thing, um, and I know a lot of them were dated really, really early, like 1930s, and I guess they used that for insulation instead of what other construction, what I would think that they would put up there, but you know, I don't know if that was what they used back then or not, but... Yeah, it was really strange. There were, we did a lot of construction, put up, you know, some walls and you know, fixed joists and things like that. But, you know, redid the kitchen and we did a lot of construction on the house. And, you know, that makes sense because I've heard that as well, you know, with construction and it brings up and it causes things to stir. So I'm sure that had a play in it. Yeah, that's very interesting. Since the two flannel man encounters, have you ever experienced anything else like that? No, no, I haven't. And and that's kind of what took me back because, you know, I haven't had another experience with Flannel Man since then. And, you know, that was, you know, back in 97. So, you know, 21 years ago. And I never thought, I thought it was just me seeing this guy, not knowing that, you know, other people have seen it. So it's curious as to what is this guy, you know? Yeah. What what is he doing? Where where is he from? I don't and and then from what I understand, you know, like after listening to some of your shows after, you know, I contacted you was I mean, he's not just isolated to one area, which is really strange. Yeah, I, I mean that that's the big question mark with, with this whatever it is, you know, we'll call it an entity for for lack of anything else. Uh, why? Why is he appearing to people and what his purpose is? I mean 
with something like Sasquatch, if you believe it's not a real creature and you think it's like, you know, something we're bringing up from our collective unconscious or whatever, there seems to be a reason for that. Like maybe, maybe there was something from our past, you know, uh, our primitive past or something. There was, you know, Neanderthals or something to be afraid of. Right. But the flannel man, it's like, why is this guy appearing to people? What, what does it mean? And you're probably, we're getting probably close to 20 encounters that I've taken both on the podcast and privately now. It's you're, so strange. You're the second person, I think, who's who's seen it more than once. I think there's one other, so it's very unusual to see it more than once, but it, you know, someone else did report that. It has happened. You know, most people just see him one time, and like you, they'll see him, like you saw him in a period of time, you know, f- fairly close together, and then they'll never see him again. So, that you know, it's this big question mark, like, what does it mean? Why is he appearing to people? And uh, why are people seeing this? I really don't understand because, you know, I, I would think that I've never had anything bad, knock on wood, happen in my life that would, you know, kind of trigger anything that you know would cause me to see things I, I i don't know i just i've never really had anything bad happen in my life other than well you know like war and stuff like that but you know since that i've not seen anything like really super creepy now i know like as a child you know my grandparents are from ireland and you know, they always told us these really, you know, crazy stories about the Banshee and things like that. You know, if you see the Banshee, then, you know, someone's going to die. And, you know, like little myth-type things, but I've never heard of, you know, like the Flannel Man. And so, you know, my first instinct was like, oh, okay, is something bad going to happen? Because, you know, like the Banshee story and whatnot. But, no, I mean, it's I've never... Since that, I'm not going to say everything's been hunky-dory, but nothing's been traumatic or really bad. So I, I don't know what this dude is doing and what it means. Yeah, and, and that's consistent. That's, that's, you know, pretty consistent across the board. Most people are just like, why? What, you know, I don't know why I saw him or why he was there. And But, uh, I mean, I guess in a way you're lucky to have seen something unusual, as, as weird as that sounds. I, I know it was, you know, frightening at the time but you know it's very interesting and and uh, you're not alone i can tell you that like i said that so many people are describing the same thing it's incredibly fascinating i'm curious too the other people that have seen them like what did they end up doing with their life after the fact and how has that kind of impacted their life i know for me personally i don't think that it really impacted my life in a crazy way but i just know that I'm a little bit more wary about, you know, when people say, oh, it's haunted and or this is, you know, reportedly haunted or whatever it is. I'm a little bit more skeptical to go into those type of things than like a thrill seeker. Like, oh, yeah, let's go do some ghost (laughs) (laughs) ghost stuff. I mean, I'm not going to be the first one to do it just because I've had like an experience. But other than that, you know, I just wonder the other people who have gone through this and have seen this, are they more skeptical as well? Or are they more, you know, interested in like, yeah, I want to go figure this out? Or, you know, what have they done about it? I, I haven't done anything. So. really speak for my wife. And I can tell you that for her, I think it's become a very interesting question mark because she is such a skeptic with all this stuff that she just always said it was a dream. She had a bad dream. Because uh, what had happened is she had a nightmare. She woke up. She saw 
flannel man standing above us. So she had woken up from a dream and seen this guy, and then she screamed and, and woke me up, and uh, the, you know that was kind of the extent of it. But uh, she just kind of followed it away as this dream until I started. I I talked about it somewhere. I read about it. I did. I didn't. You know, I wasn't the first guy to bring this up. I had read about people encountering this flannel man entity somewhere years and years ago on an online forum somewhere. I brought it up on the show, and then I started getting all these other stories coming in. And the only thing I could say is I think it's kind of opened my wife up to the idea that maybe it wasn't just a dream. Now, she's like I said, she's such a skeptic that she she doesn't know where to go with that. And I you know, I don't mean to speak for her, but I think she's and she's particularly interested in, in hearing these stories from other people. I think she really enjoys it because, you know, she only thought of it as a dream before. And, and like when I told her yours with, that also had the dog, she was, oh, wow. You know, because, uh, you know, like I mentioned, she yeah. had the, the dogs also. So uh, I think it's kind of opened her to possibilities of there being something that she encountered, but she's not ready to go full on. It wasn't a dream yet, but she's being more open to the idea that she actually encountered an entity, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's great, though, because I've had quite a few experiences, you know, especially with the other house and then, you know, this one. And and I'm not going to say I'm a true believer in, in that stuff. It's just it seems a little bit more than a coincidence. You know, I feel like there's got to be something behind it. It's just, you know, we can't figure it out. We don't know what it is. And I know that there's all these ghost hunter shows and people going out there and trying to get like EMF readings or whatever they are, trying to figure this out. And I'm not going to say that I, you know, I'm all gung-ho about it, but I do think that there is something out there, and I, I'm curious to see if other people have kind of started to think that there might be something more behind this as well, like your wife. I think that's great that she's a little bit more open to it now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's, I'd still say she's a skeptic, but she's cautiously interested, I, I would say, if I have to if I have to speak for her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, well, thank you so much for telling your story. It was wonderful. You're welcome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Next, we're going to hear Jeff's flannel man story. Jeff was just on episode 34, A Lifetime of Experiences, but I saved his flannel man story for this episode. The instance where I saw what you guys refer to as the flannel man, I was 15 years old. I was dating a girl who her mother was actually a Reiki healer. She herself has since become one as well. She's highly spiritual. Uh, we, we really jived on a lot of that kind of stuff um, very well. So our, our friendship has always kind of stayed strong over the years. And she's one of the people who actually, like in these weird moments of like ultra heightened um, awareness and seeing lots of weird stuff and knowing lots of stuff, she's reached out to me after years away and said like, hey, I was thinking about you and do you know anything about this? So it's it's we've always had kind of a weird um, symbiosis kind of relationship with respect to these things pulling us back together every couple of years to talk. We're at her mom's house. Uh, her mom was dating this fellow who actually was renting this place. It was a, a two-story home. 
who are both relatively uh, innocent kids, we'll, we'll call them, like despite being teenagers or whatever. I go over there, her mom and uh, her mom's boyfriend go out of town for the weekend, or obviously her dad lived in town, but she lived with her mom. She asked me, oh, you want to stay over tonight, whatever, and I'm not sure if she was expecting me to try and, you know, put some sort of <laughs> late teenage moves on her, but I was pretty respectful, and I said, yeah, absolutely, and I slept on the couch in the living room on the main floor. Her bedroom was upstairs. I didn't even bother going upstairs all night. It was just not one of those kinds of scenarios. I was just, you know, happy. We watched a movie and talked all night, and that was good enough for me. Around 3 in the morning, I believe it was, I wake up, and I've got this driest throat on earth and I get up and I walk from the living room into the kitchen grab a glass out of the cupboard and fill it up it's out of the right hand side of my eye um, where the stairs go up to the second floor the same set of stairs kind of curl around and then go down into the basement so they go down and take a quick right into the basement you can't see the basement from the main floor but they go down there I had never been down there so I didn't know what the basement layout was. I didn't know if there was another room down there or what was the scenario. So I walk over because I notice there's a light in the hallway. And I'm thinking, oh, it's just left on for me if I'm stumbling around in the night or whatever. And I get over there and standing on the landing is this guy. As tangible as you would be to me if you were standing in front of me right now. Clear as day, no fuzziness, nothing. So I see a guy in the house standing on the stairs, completely silent. Like I said, I was about 15, so I had a hard time gauging his exact age. I would have guessed he was probably in his mid to late 20s. Thinner, probably only about 180 pounds at the most. Probably about six foot tall. Blonde hair. Well-kept, uh, kind of shiny back. Wearing a red flannel shirt. Tucked into some jeans. And he's just standing there. And he has this kind of like pissy look on his face. And he's just staring at me. And I'm a bit of a cocky guy, so I stood there at the top of the stairs, and I drank my water, and I stared at him, because this dude's staring at me. And now, in my brain, most people would probably ask, well, didn't you think there was somebody breaking into the house? I didn't believe that. And here's why, and I've explained this to you by email, but I'll explain it now for the, the listeners. I had a friend growing up whose dad boarded college students in his basement he set it up as a small apartment he'd have two to three guys living in his basement at any given time this guy looked close to the same age in his 20s or something and i just assumed knowing what i knew at the time well this is their boarder who lives in the basement i must have woke him up when i came to get my water and now he's just being a creep standing in the stairwell staring at me silently yeah. Screw him. I can be creepy too. So I just drank my glass of water and I stared at him. We shared a really awkward, silent stare for probably about, you know, six or seven seconds. The whole interaction probably was about 13 seconds long, which doesn't sound long, but when you time that out, that's a while to not talk to somebody and just stare at them. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, whatever. screw this, you know, I'm going back to bed. It is like three in the morning. I turn around and I walk back. I put the glass on the counter next to the sink, go back to the couch like a light when i said there was a light in the hallway i should note that there wasn't actually a light built into this hall for the stairs there was one at the top and one at the bottom there was a glow around the guy but it was like an, a soft warm glow that i assumed was the light of the hall it wasn't until like second sober thought in the morning 
that I noticed. Uh, there's not actually a light in this basement. Stairwell. Well, whatever. It is what it is. I was sleepy. What the hell do I know? So, a bunch of years go by. Her and I are talking about just different stuff, and she's telling me about she hated going into that basement. She had told me, you know, uh, she always felt there was somebody down there watching her whenever she was doing laundry. And I said, well, yeah, it was probably that creepy border you guys had. And she's like, what are you talking about? So I explained to her, the blonde guy standing in the stairs, da-da-da-da. Like silence, no response. And then she tells, she basically informs me, she's like, we never had anybody else living in that house. In fact, I, she, I'm speaking for her, mm-hmm. I had seen a tall, dark character in the basement once. And it wasn't a person, it was like a, a spirit, if you will. But it, it, it didn't have definition to her, it was just like a dark figure. So then, at that moment in time, it dawns on me, I'm like, oh man, that's another one of those moments where I've seen something like this. Because it was too clear, it was too obvious, and there was no repercussions. The dude didn't leave, I laid back down on the couch, it's not like he came upstairs. There was no way to get out the basement, you know, because right. of the height of the foundation he couldn't have crawled out through anything there was no way out so I, I realized then and she with her telling me she and her mom both because they're both highly spiritual people always felt there was an entity living in the basement and for me to be there and see it like clear as day it was like oh yeah that's that's good hmm. so what? that's that's the the flannel wearing fellow that I had encountered. Well, it does have when other people have seen him. The, the one thing that's usually in common is uh, people wake up and they wake up for some reason and then they see him, which is was really interesting. But I think most people are in bed, so you can say you know possibly hypnagogia. But yours is really neat because you've gotten out of bed, you've gotten water, and you're you're on your way back and you see him. You said he seemed kind of irritated. Yeah, he looked like uh, he had a look of consternation on his face, like he was unimpressed with me for whatever reason. I, I don't know why. I didn't question him. Like I said, we didn't right. speak. We kind of had this uh, silent standoff, like a like a stupid fifteen year old boy would with some guy in his mid twenties. You know. <laughs> I wonder if that's the equivalent of you know, uh, like my wife and other people have said he looked surprised, kind of like he was caught. I wonder. No, if I- no, I don't. I don't take any level of being caught there. I don't know if. It's possible that he didn't anticipate me seeing him as well as I did, but I definitely saw him. Did you spend more time in this house after this? I slept there two or three more times. Never saw him again? Never saw him again. Didn't know I was looking for him at the time either. Right, right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com If you're on Facebook, look up the Strange Familiars Gathering Group. Join and share your stories, creations, get news about the show, and more. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more.
Stretch the feather, dust the bone Sound the chant that will call the ghost Through the smoke, red eyes shine In the astral secret sign Just beyond of life, heavy wings beat in the night, hear the call, hear the shriek, hear the strange winged creatures speak, call the lightning, call the storm, call the undead Thunder and the rain Unseen spirits speak your name Face the hate Face the white Face the things hidden by the night Hear the whistle Hear the coo Scratch the feather, dust the bones Sound the chant that will cover ghosts Hail the other and the unknown Hail to spirit made flesh and bone